Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about victim mentality. But before we do that, I want to remind you of all the great resources that we have available for you through PeaceWorks. In particular, we are, at the time of this recording, just coming off the launch of the new Men of Peace self-paced course. If you've identified as abusive and you recognize the destructive nature of your choices and it's affecting your family, then we want to invite you to consider being part of Men of Peace. The Men of Peace self-paced course takes all the educational material from my past years of working with abusive men and provides them to you in a digital course format. It'd be a great place to start uh, if you're interested in making changes. You can learn more about Men of Peace at menofpeace.org or chrismoles.org. All right, let's talk a little bit about victim mentality sometimes called the victim mindset. We receive a lot of questions, and I find this when I'm on the road as well, where pastors, uh, ministry leaders, uh, even survivors, victims, will be shocked or have questions about a perpetrator's willingness or ability to play the victim and to play the victim very well. A lot of times we'll receive questions as if this is a um, an abnormal phenomenon, as, as if to say folks will ask questions as if they can't believe it and ask if we've seen it before. And I think for most of us who've been in the work um, for any amount of time, especially those who have worked with multiple perpetrators, you know, who have seen kind of these patterns over and over and over, we would all agree that maybe one of the reasons why we don't mention it very often is we just assume um, we just assume that as the reality. The vast majority of abusive individuals that we come in contact with will to some degree play the victim. They will um, by means of either manipulation or self-deception present themselves as being the victim. So let's talk just a little bit about this today. Uh, first of all, I think some folks might be shocked to hear that. For for me, and like I say, I think any helpers who are listening who maybe have worked with perpetrators, multiple perpetrators over the course of, of time would say that for us, this is kind of an expectation. We go into interventions and conversations expecting to some degree to be presented with the victim mentality. But for other folks, you might be asking why. Why is it the case that a perpetrator will resort to being the victim rather than acknowledging or being held accountable or um, or some other means, even a, a means that is less than honest? Why resort to the victim mentality? Well, a couple reasons I want to bring to your attention today just to think through um, and to chew on the first is people tend to do this. It, it's not exclusive to abusers, although you will see this quite often if you do this work for very long. But I think people tend 
to shift blame quickly. In our natural fallen uh, world that we live in and the aspects of just being a person, many of us will play the victim. We tend to identify with the the victim or put ourselves in those type of um see ourselves through those kinds of lenses and now granted the, the human condition is a little different than say the abuser's perspective but i do want to just first lay out there that most of the time when you're dealing in some kind of confrontational uh work whether it be confronting a child who has disobeyed or uh, an employee it's not uncommon to have a little bit of a fight on your hands because the other individual feels wronged um, they may have a um, misunderstanding of the situation but it's kind of normal for people to feel wronged uh, when they're actually in the wrong so we're always dealing with some of that but for abusers it's a little different and i think one of the the aspects and where it's different to answer the question why why do abusers do this number one people do this but number two abuse is about control at the end of the day that's what we're talking about abuse is about control and playing the victim helps control uh, the story first of all being able to shift the blame or share the blame in such a way that the person intervening, the helper, the pastor, the leader, the family member can feel sorry for you or identify with you actually allows you to help control the story. So the story isn't just you are abusive, your partner is a victim. The story is now it's complicated or look at what I have to put up with or in reality I'm suffering because of my partner's A, B, C or D. It also allows you to control outcomes. Uh, playing the victim and playing the victim well allows an abusive individual to control the outcomes. Rather than taking responsibility and receiving proper accountability, now the co-victim, as it were, or the new victim who is suffering under the weight of their partner's resistance, as that's tongue-in-cheek, uh, will now demand and usually receive new outcomes such as marriage counseling or um, equal share of the blame or accountability being passed on to their victim and then it allows you to control your partner we know in this work that crazy making gaslighting those those terms are used to identify the way in which victims feel when reality is is shifted and changed by their abusive partner playing the victim Having a victim mentality actually uh, enhances the crazy making. And I'll give you a couple examples of how it works. Being able to play the victim but remaining calm and collected, intentional and deliberate because you're completely in control aids in convincing people helpers and folks who should be intervening on behalf of your victim to come to your aid. While at the same time, a, a true victim Somebody who's living under the weight of abuse and oppression will often seem out of control. The irony is that the victim mentality, um, because it's not real oppression, will allow the person wielding that weapon to remain seemingly uh, calm and more desirable, whereas genuine oppression tends to produce 
an emotional response that makes folks, let's face it, uncomfortable. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's effective. And that's the third reason why it gets used. Number one, people tend to play the victim. But two, abuse is about control. And so the victim mentality allows the abuser to have another aspect to attempt to gain control of the story, of outcomes, and of their partner. But then third, it's effective. Playing the victim works. It tends to get the individual what they want, which is sympathy. And especially in Christian ministry, in this um, world that we live in, where we're trying to serve other people and we're driven by aspects of compassion and help and love, uh, the victim mentality positions a person who should be held accountable to becoming a person that actually receives support. And that's where it becomes uh, a little bit I shouldn't say a little bit, it becomes increasingly frustrating because the individual that should be held accountable has through some series of conversations, events, um, gained a hearing, right, and been elevated to the status of a victim, whether it be a co-victim or a real victim, and it enables them and to maintain their control, but also to receive sympathy and compassion rather than accountability. So it's effective. It works at getting what we want. And so the victim mentality is increasingly, I mean, it's just, it's common among abusive individuals for all the reasons I've already mentioned. Um, But one of the reasons is it's effective. It works. Number four, you know, when we're talking about abuse, What lies at the heart of abuse is entitlement and pride. And let's face it, pride deceives. Now, this is where some of my friends and peers will will get a little upset with me because all of us can get on board that people are are a little bit naturally geared this way, that we all kind of play the victim, but abusers more so than others because abuse is about control and abusers more so than others because it's effective. But I would even suggest that for abusers, there's a perception or a worldview issue at play. Their pride has deceived them to such a degree that they actually believe they're being harmed. Now, just bear with me on this. If if my worldview is so distorted by my pride that I feel entitled to being respected. I'm entitled to being served. I'm entitled to being loved the way I want to be loved. I'm entitled to being obeyed. And in any way I perceive that those entitlements are not being met, then I feel free to punish because I've been wronged. And so some abusers come into interventions or come into confrontations truly believing that they have been wronged. And in some of our church circles, let's just be quite honest, because we hold a high view of certain theological principles, rather than seeing headship as servant leadership uh, modeled by Jesus and um, empowered through his spirit, we tend to see it through the lens of cultural aspects like top-down leadership. Then we will often conflate aspects of obedience with aspects of submission. 
And so the church will see a wife who is, quote unquote, disobedient. And they will, in um, inappropriately, also feel sorry for the husband, regardless of his use of control, the fact that he's terrifying his family, that his family lives in fear, because there's this sense of entitlement to be obeyed, the church will sometimes rally behind the perpetrator because they clearly see the offense, the offense of not being obeyed, because worldview has a lot to do with this. And that worldview, that perception, allows an individual to remain self-deceived, to say, see, I'm being harmed. I'm not getting what I am entitled to, what I deserve. And that's why theology is a big part of these discussions, why confronting the way in which we believe is central to uh, confronting this behavior. So, yeah, uh, there is a level of self-deception, especially if your pride, which is driving all of this, your entitlement is shaping your worldview. And you probably need, I shouldn't say probably, you do need a different worldview. So, when an individual is presenting themselves as the victim, they may actually believe that they're being wronged because of their worldview. Uh, fifth, I think there's a cultural aspect to this too. I think uh, playing the victim is um, is pretty cool in our culture nowadays. Um, and you'll hear people complain about this all the time, the, the victim mentality in the culture. But the interesting piece is the folks you often hear complain about it uh, are folks who are not victims. You often hear folks complain about it who are in what we would call the majority culture or people who have a little bit of power. Or, uh, Pardon me if this word offends you. It's, it's kind of taken on some political meaning above and beyond what it should be, which is people who have some privilege, who, who really haven't been oppressed, but we like to look for ways in which we can identify and, and be the real Victims and the culture placates that. Let's be quite honest. There's a cultural aspect to victimhood where real victims are overshadowed by people who are more important. Like if you're really important or you have enough money or you have enough connection or you have enough clout, you can be a, I mean, th then you're really being harmed. This is kind of, sim this is similar in many ways to what uh, used to occur um, when you read about. Oh, what did they call it? White man's guilt during the, the slave days. You would have um, Christian writers and, and folks who would try to justify slavery uh, using the scriptures. And they would talk about the white man's burden, that it was so burdensome for um, slave owners to care for slaves or what have you. And, and what it was was a reshaping of the victim narrative. It was to say, okay, we know that these other human beings are the ones who are owned and that we are actually owning human beings. But rather than look at the wickedness of that act, let's focus on the burden that it places on us. And that actually happens quite a bit. If, it just, if we just look around culturally, politicians uh, quickly play the victim, um, people in um with a lot of uh, wealth tend to play the victim and it's it's people in positions of power tend to play the victim uh, pastors tend to and uh, ministry leaders who are under fire tend to call attention to all the good things that they've done and their reputation and 
uh, rather than submit to investigation and, um, you know, take be taken to account. So I just think there's a cultural aspect to this, too, where people in power uh, tend to have this privilege of playing the victim. And it's true among men in particular who can then turn the tables and say, we'll see how I'm being harmed. And um, I guess the last part of uh, part of that discussion is even with that, it's then easy for other folks who look like you, think like you, are kind of in the same position as you to then collude and say, we can completely understand that. So let's say you've got a fella who is self-deceived. His own pride and entitlement has convinced him that he's being wronged. And so he shares his plight with the pastor of his church, who can to some degree resonate with what it's like to be in a difficult relationship, in a difficult marriage, where he feels underappreciated, where the pastor as a husband feels neglected or disrespected or nagged. And he conflates those feelings with the feelings of an entitled man who's really describing his discomfort with his wife's resistance. That supports the victim mentality. It continues to promote the victim mentality to a degree in which we end up supporting the perpetrator as opposed to supporting the victim. So, I mean, there's just five thoughts on the victim mentality. And we think about this, you know, we've got a lot of questions about folks who are, you know, surprised that perpetrators play the victim. But I think for those of us in the work, if you've worked with multiple perpetrators, you know this is really common. And just some of the reasons why is because people tend to play the victim uh, because abuse is about control and victim mentality allows the abuser to control the story, control the outcome and control their partner because it's effective. It works. Um, it's built upon entitlement and pride. So there's a level of self-deception where the, the perpetrator really feels like they've been wronged. And there's a cultural aspect where people in power uh, are permitted to be the victim. So I, I hope that helps. I, I hope I'm able to communicate effectively enough that um, many abusers uh, play the victim card. Uh, many of them try to mutualize, shift the blame, focus almost entirely on their partner's behavior, and that uh, sometimes uh, the church and other leaders and folks uh, come alongside, right, um, and collude with that process. Well, I appreciate everybody um, tuning in this week. Uh, speaking of abusers and mentality, I want to circle back around to our recent launch of the Men of Peace Self-Paced Course. Uh, the Men of Peace Self-Paced Course is uh, just a combination of all of the educational material that I've created over the years in working with men. And we have packaged all of that up into a digital course format. So if you're listening to this and you're a helper, it might be a great homework option to assign uh, to perhaps somebody you're working with who is abusive or destructive. Uh, secondly, uh, if you're an abusive person, if you're listening to this podcast because you've been abusive or destructive, uh, Men of Peace might be your best next step. It would be an opportunity 
uh, for you to step into some accountability. And you can learn more about the Men of Peace self-paced course at menofpeace.org. You can also head on over to chrismoles.org and check out uh, all the other resources we have, including PeaceWorks University. Thank you guys so much for joining me on the PeaceWorks podcast. We appreciate everyone so much who tunes in, who's part of this work. And until next time, God bless.